Hey everybody, good morning, welcome back, and thanks for joining us on the road to 80s Wrestling Con 4. We are merely 51 days away from the showdown in Morristown, Saturday, May the 6th, at the Men in Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. It will be one of the biggest collections of pro wrestling superstars to ever rock the East Coast. I'm talking about the likes of the Beverly Brothers. Cowboy Bob Orton, Dr. D. David Schultz, the Killer Bees, and so many more, including the event headliner and the topic of today's conversation, two-time Hall of Famer, multiple-time world heavyweight champion, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. We're talking about none other than Brett, the Hitman Hart. This is 80s Wrestling the Podcast. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm sitting across from the man who, when it comes to organizing unbelievable wrestling conventions, he's the excellence of execution, Tommy Fierro. Good morning, brother. What is going on? <laughs> What's going on, Jumping Jay? How are you doing on this beautiful Thursday morning here in New Jersey? I, I don't know how it is over by you. It's a little, little chilly here, but uh, we're doing okay. How about you? You got like 13 feet of snow? Listen, man, we've got so much snow, and then this morning it's actually raining, and so that stuff's going to freeze, and so it's going to become very slippery here in Minnesota. They tell me spring is on the way, man, but I'm I'm waiting eagerly for it to arrive. <laughs> yeah, man, I hear you. Well, we're waiting eagerly here in New Jersey because tomorrow is the second anniversary celebration of the Wrestling Collector. So if you live in or around the New Jersey area, please stop in tomorrow night, Friday night, St. Patrick's Day from 5 to 8 p.m. We have a lot of fun stuff happening here tomorrow, Jay. Uh, The current ISPW heavyweight champion, Bull James, will be uh, at the store tomorrow with his ISPW heavyweight title. Free autographed pictures and photo ops will be available tomorrow for everyone that comes in to join in our two-year celebration. You can get your picture taken holding or wearing the ISW heavyweight title, and also with Bull James as well. Plus, Jumpin' uh, Jay, we are going to have our first ever WWF WrestleFest Arcade Tournament for our two-year anniversary here tomorrow at the Wrestling Collector. We're going to be doing hourly door prizes. We're going to be doing some pro wrestling trivia, $5 magazines, $5 DVDs, autographed pictures from past events, only $5 as well, so... It all takes place tomorrow at the Wrestling Collector, located on Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Well, brother, congratulations. That is something to definitely celebrate, and it sounds like you're doing it in a big, big way. Uh, I wish I could be there to celebrate the official uh, birthday, but uh, when I make it up for the Wrestling Con, I'll be sure to stop by the store and and toast you then, because that is a a big accomplishment. Hats off to you, sir. Congratulations on uh, that. Two years since you opened the Wrestling Collector. Thank you very much, sir. And I, I forgot to add one more uh, tidbit of information for tomorrow's two-year anniversary celebration. The Leprechaun will be in the house at the Wrestling Collector. You can get your picture taken with the Leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day uh, tomorrow right here. And uh, it ain't Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle will be appearing, though, as the guest GM for ISPW. Memorial Day weekend on Saturday, May the 27th. That's going to be at Garrett Mountain 
in Woodland Park, New Jersey. We'll be talking a lot more about our upcoming ISPW events. We've got a ton coming up, Jumpin' Jay. We have one next Friday night in Totowa, New Jersey. We'll talk about that uh, next week's episode. But, yeah, man, today is about the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be Brett the Hitman Hart. I know that when on one of our earlier episodes of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, we uh, spoke about Brett and his career. But, I mean, I mean, a career like this, uh, you can probably have 10 episodes. Uh, and I know their callers are already lined up. Real quickly, I want to make mention, I was uh, doing a little research before today's episode just to you know, talk about some different things that we might have not talked about the first time with Brett. And, I mean, there's a ton. But I, I found a uh, list of his top ten uh, matches that you forgot about. And uh, we can go through some of them throughout the episode. One of them uh, that I don't even remember happening uh, was on WCW uh, Nitro. They had a hardcore match with Bret Hart and Terry Funk. I have no recollection of this. I, I want to look it up and see if it's on YouTube. I'm interested in checking that out. Uh, there's some there's some cool ones in here. Uh, a, a great one that you know doesn't really get the credit it deserves, and and I don't really and I'm sure you, I don't really mention his name at all. But Chris Benoit, him and Bret Hart had that fantastic uh, match after Owen Hart had passed away. It was an Owen Hart tribute match. Uh, who can forget the Kiss My Foot match with Jerry the King of Lillard? So entertaining. I don't know why that was on that list of matches you might have forgotten about because. I thought they did a fantastic job uh, building that up and Jerry making fun of Bret Hart's parents. Uh, one more, and then we'll, we'll head over to the phone lines. Uh, that that <laughs> was very interesting, the top ten matches that we might have forgot about. And this is one I didn't even know existed. Uh, this was on Nitro as well. Uh, this was a Texas Tornado ladder match. It was a four-way with Bret Hart, Sid, Scott Hall, and Goldberg. <laughs> A Texas Tornado Ladder Match. So I, I wanted to see if I could check that out on uh, on uh, YouTube as well. But, yeah, a lot of uh, lot of matches that Brett were, was involved in throughout his career that we might have forgot about or in, in, in these circumstances with the WCW stuff towards the tail end of his career that we just didn't even know about. But we'll talk about all that. And what I'd also like to talk about with anyone that calls in, Jay, is if and, and anyone that's listening on hold right now, if you want to get your answer in your head, if Brett the Hitman Hart was in his prime right now mm. in 2023, who would you like to see him wrestle against? Anyone that's currently in WWE or AEW or maybe someone that Brett just never had the opportunity to wrestle, uh, give us a call. Our number is 516-595-8295. Again, that's 516 talking about the career of Brett the Hitman Hart. Let us know, who would you like to see Brett Hart wrestle if he was in his prime right now? But Jay, I'll let you take over. I know we've got some calls, uh, callers waiting to talk about the Hitman. Yeah, the Wrestling Collector Slam line is slammed, pun intended, with calls. We have a number of them lined up, so we're going to jump into the phone calls. But right before I go to the first phone call, uh, I want to make mention, one of the Bret Hart's biggest matches or one of the biggest feuds he had was with none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. My father-in-law, who's a longtime listener of this show, just texted me a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin and wished me a happy 316 day since it is March 16th. So, Tommy, as long as I got that text, I want to wish you happy Stone Cold Steve Austin 316 day 
perfect day to be talking hey, about Bret Hart. It, re- it really is. And real quick, before you jump to the first call, I was going to make mention of this because I know it's 316 day today, is that Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you, you, you ask the average fan, what was his, you know, what was his big turning point in his career when he went from Steve Austin to Stone Cold Steve Austin? And, and you'll get a few different answers. One would be, and, and none of these answers are wrong, by the way. Uh, one would be when he won the King of the Ring. Uh, one would be, you know, the first time he gave uh, Vince McMahon the Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, another time could be when Mike Tyson was on Raw, and uh, I think that I mean that really catapulted him to the next level. But I think originally what, what lifted him up to the next level was Bret Hart. Uh, that view that him and Stone Cold Steve Austin had, Bret Hart had so much credibility at that time that I really, really, and if you ask Steve Austin, and I'm sure he said it in interviews himself, uh, Bret Hart played a huge factor in the success of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't think that Brent gets enough credit for just how big of a star Stone Cold became because you remember when he first came into the WWF, he was the ringmaster. Uh, he, was not, uh, he was not selling out arenas and selling millions and millions and million dollars of merchandise. It was all a work in progress, and Bret Hart had a lot to do with that. Yes, he did. Could not have said it better myself. Let's go to the phone calls. We're talking about the career of the headliner of 80s Wrestling Con 4, Brett the Hitman Hart, up first on the slam line, good friend of the show, recent visitor to the Wrestling Collector, Firefighter Brian. Good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everything? What's going on, man? How are you? Eh, Can't complain, can't complain. Uh, Yeah, you know know your way around with the information, Jay. Yeah, I was there last (laughs) Thursday, and glad to see the store's doing great, looking great. And um, it's a, uh, yeah, Tommy, congratulations on two years. That's wonderful. And, uh, yes, absolutely. And, uh, well, first of all, to answer your question, I didn't even have to think about it. Um, Brian Danielson, and it's not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bret Hart, Brian Danielson, where do I sign? Um, You know, Danielson is... uh, I'd put Danielson in that category with, you know, Danny Hodge and all those guys. I mean, uh, you know, he was uh, not even close. Brian, I mean, there's, there's others, don't get me wrong. But here's the thing, though. Brett, and this is why Brett is held in such high regard. He was able to have, uh, he was able to get at least a decent match out of absolutely anybody. I mean, he had a passable cage match with Isaac Yankel, crying out loud. Okay? He was able to work with anybody. Um, so, uh, Brett, and another thing with Brett is, and here's an interesting question with him. If, don't get me wrong, Brett is one of the true legends of the game. Okay? The thing is, had the steroid trial not gone down, Mm-hmm. Would Brett have been given the ball to carry? Because before the steroid trial was all, you know, big guys, you know, Hogan, Macho Man, Warrior, not really, you know, guys that could put on a clinic like Bret Hart, okay? Steroid trial comes, a lot of guys are out, you know, they got to uh, change a lot of things. Brett kept, they, they gave Brett the ball, and he ran with it. And I was not, as 
Yokozuna is a very underrated champion. Okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody could beat him. Nobody could beat him. So he doesn't get the credit he deserves as a champion, but I loved Brett as the champ. I know I'm not the only one. And um, I thought I would have really liked to have seen him hold the belt longer, but he was still a great champion. And, uh, I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Had, had that steroid trial not gone down, are we uh, – does Brett – because keep in mind, let me just say quick, they tried – that was his – that was Brett's second rodeo uh, as a single star in the WWF. They tried to do it after WrestleMania four. And it didn't really catch on, and they went back to being a tag team. So, and then they tried it again at SummerSlam '91, I think it was, when he uh, won the Intercontinental Title for Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you think about that? About Brett? Uh, if that never went down, is Brett a? Uh, well, what's your take on that? You want to go first, Jay? Go ahead. I think that's an excellent point, Brian, that you bring up, because this was a time in the World Wrestling Federation when, yeah, the spotlight was being shined on the big guys on the steroids, and so so Vince needed somebody who didn't look too bulky, too much like you could accuse them uh, of being steroids. And luckily for him, Bret the Man Hart was so good in the ring and such a good storyteller. He actually bridged the gap from, like, the 80s wrestling explosion to the Attitude Era. Bret Hart was the constant, the performer that you could count on. But yeah, if let's say the steroid trial never took place, I don't think Vince McMahon would have went away from the big, muscled-up guys if he wasn't forced to. And he was forced to, so he needed to find a smaller guy. And thank, I mean, thank the Lord that, that he had Bret Hart in his company, because if you take Bret out of that equation, and you can't put it up on a muscle-bound uh, living superhero like we were used to. I don't know who you would turn to at that point. So Bret Hart, I think, was definitely the right guy at the right time. And when he got the when he got the ball, he ran with it. He made the most of that situation. And so he may have not gotten that chance otherwise, but he got that chance. And I would say he made the absolute most of it. Yeah, I would. I would uh, yeah. say. I would say also, I'd agree with what Jay said. I think that uh, if that steroid trial never did happen you know i'm sure that the outcome could have been different i i I don't know because you know you see randy savage savage is a lot smaller than hogan was as far as you know stature goes and and he was a top guy i I think that you can see brett uh once he turned babyface and and had a run with that intercontinental title his popularity skyrocketed in the company uh, so, yeah, he was definitely, you know, if you're looking at the landscape of things during that time period and, you know, who's on the roster, like, if that's the case, like, okay, we have to get away from the big giant muscle guys, at least during this steroid trial, if that was the case, uh, you know, you look at the roster, who was that over uh, as far as the baby face goes, and, and Brett was up there uh, near the top. So, I mean, you, you saw, when, once he was there, kind of champion, you know, he came out and he gave, Started giving fans the glasses and stuff, but you you knew you knew he was going to become a star uh, to the level that he did. I don't think that uh, anyone was thinking that right when they first gave him that opportunity, but he ran with it. And you know, like they said, the the, the new generation, uh, he was a gigantic part of the WWE. But yeah, I don't know if that steroid trial didn't happen, it, it could have been different. But, again, everything evolves in this business. So, I mean, there could have been a small chance that he could have been the man. 
Absolutely, and you know, and, and he has to be given credit because during that time, you know, you've heard so many uh, wrestlers who were in the WWF at that time say that was a bad time for the company. Money wasn't coming in, and like you say, one of you said he was forced to use smaller guys. Okay, and you had that was a time when I mean the mid '90s was a rough time. For the, for the business, especially the WWF, you the company was just filled of you just just bad wrestlers, bad matches, bad gimmicks. It was a rough time. I mean, they had to give Barry Horowitz a push because they ran out of guys to use. It was a rough time, and yet he kept it going and kept having clinics and kept, like I said in the beginning, get, get carry just about anybody. To at least a decent match. You know what, Jay? You bring up a good point. Uh, Vince loves the big guys. You're seeing it right now. Ever since he unretired, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Karrion Cross has now has not been, his comeback has not been great since Vince came back. And all of a sudden, Omos is back in, in the spotlight again, getting a spot against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, no, no less. So, you know, it's a very interesting question, and uh, let me let me ask you, Tommy. That list you were talking about is his match with Randy Savage on Saturday night's main event on that list because it should. Uh, that's not on there. I, maybe because it was on national TV. I think this is the matches that you forgot about. But yeah, man, and I as far as his greatest his greatest matches go, that should absolutely be on there. One hundred percent. I love that match. You see, I thought it would be on there because a lot of people don't even know that it exists because, you know, this was, uh, I think, mid to late 80s, 87, something like that. Brett was still, but Macho was the face. Brett was the heel, still a part of the, the Hart Foundation. Um, but it was an excellent contest. And, you know, I know this is an 80s podcast, but, you know, P- PWI named him the wrestler of the 90s. And rightfully so, because when you, mm-hmm. if you were to do the top ten feuds of the '90s, Brett has almost half of them. You know, uh, Austin, which you guys talked about, Jerry Lawler, Owen Hart, of course, uh, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's four out of the ten right there. Sure. And uh, you know, as far you know, and that you mentioned matches uh, that you might have forgotten about. Every just about every match in that period in WCW is forgettable, so I can't blame <laughs> people for forgetting that. But it was hey, uh, real, real, yeah. Listen, real, real, yeah, go ahead. Real, real quick before we let you go, because uh, you're talking about sure. that list, I just looked up the number one name, uh, number one match on that list. I think you guys are both going to be surprised by this one because I, I, I was, I just saw it in 1981. Bret Hart had a match for the AWA World Heavyweight title against Nick Bockwinkel. I did not know that. That's really cool. Wow. No, I did not know that, I have to admit. I mean, I've seen his matches with Dynamite Kid. I've seen matches from around that area era. That um, I have to try to find that one. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart against Nick Bockwinkel. That's very interesting. That would be a fun one to watch. I, Absolutely. I mean, he's, listen, he had a and, – and I think it's really cool that a legend like him is not a hard guy to get a, a, to, to meet. Um, you know, he does a lot of signings, a lot of, lots of appearances. I haven't met him yet, but I'm looking forward to meeting him May 6th. 
Mm-hmm. Looking forward to seeing you guys May 6th, and I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Hey, you too, man. And just to let you know, while you were just talking, I just went on YouTube. That match is on there. So Bret Hart against oh, Nick Bockwinkle is on YouTube. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Good to know. I'll, tr- I'll uh, try to watch that later today. And, uh, yeah, good talking to you guys as always. And I will uh, hopefully talk to you next week. All right? All right brother. Sounds Take good, care, Brian. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you later. Uh, God bless. Bye-bye. Lot to talk about, Tommy, when it comes to the career of Bret the Hitman Hart. I mean, if if there's a whole list of forgotten matches, that just tells you how good the ones we remember are. Absolutely. All right. We're going to keep rolling down the line because, like I said, the slam line is just packed today. It is buzzing for people to talk about the man who is headlining 80s Wrestling Con 4. Up next, none other than Danny from Butler. Good morning, Danny. Tommy, Jumping Jay, uh, always a pleasure. You know, you're another, uh, you know, following up uh, uh, last week's uh, show with uh, Craig the George uh, with, you know, to my opinion, uh, the best, uh, you know, pound-for-pound technical wrestler of all time. My my personal favorite, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Um, you talk about, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, actually – paid dues from the beginning of the time that he got in. You know, he did it every step of the way, whether it was, just, you know, the tag team worked his way up through the, you know, the Intercontinentals, then, you know, obviously eventually to the to the WWF champion. You know, he you know he was given the opportunity. He ran with it. There was, you know, there, there was obviously a change. You know, Firefighter Brian brought up, uh, you know, tremendous points with the steroid saga and the trials and all that. You know, you know Vince, you know, those at the time where, Hogan obviously wasn't the face anymore. He needed uh, to find a new face. And I think Brett, you know, obviously, I think, you know, he, he took the torch and he ran with it as best as he could. And, you know, he was a, you know, without a doubt, he was a tremendous champion, a tremendous face of the company. Um, as far as uh, matches, you know, you know, somebody, the current, you know, you know, with the current roster, you know, this, uh, today's day, you know, I, I can't argue with, uh, Firefighter Brian, you know, uh, Dan, Brian Danielson, that have been, you know, that there's no way and nobody would pay to see that match. You know, you got two guys, you know, with the same type of skill, you know, same ethic, you know, go, they're going to go out there. They're going to tear the roof off. You know, personally, if I had to choose one other than Brian Danielson, I think, you know, right now he would make a tremendous match with Gunther. I think Gunther right now is probably the hottest, Mm-hmm. Um, superstar right now that's, you know, wait, you know eventually he is going to be a, a world champion, and he's done wonders with that Intercontinental title right now. It's actually, you know, I think uh, this week, tomorrow, he's actually going to tie uh, Mr. Perfect's, uh, you know, longest reign of the 90s. You know, you know you talk about the longest Intercontinental champion of this, of this century, the 21st century. You know, he's actually, you know, doing a tremendous job um, with that. Um, you know, you talk about the, the list of, you know, of his uh, forgotten matches. You know, obviously what uh, Brian brought up regarding that Saturday night main event match with Randy Savage, that was a, that was a classic match. That was when uh, in the beginning of, you know, Savage's uh, feud with the Honky Tonk Band. Um, personally, you know, if I had to, you know, think about a match, you know, he only wrestled uh, one time, another one of my favorites, Ricky Steamboat at the Boston Garden. I think it was like 1986, just before 
WrestleMania two that uh, that match was shown on on Bret Hart's DVD. Um, that was you know you, you talk about two guys that could get it go in there and and go at it for you know twenty thirty forty minutes longer. Those two guys you know you know they were they would have been awesome. You know that match it was a, I know I'm pretty sure it was a house show. They you know tremendous showing between two guys that knew their way around the ring that never had bad matches with anybody. You know they always looked to take take care of the, you know, whoever they were working with, you know, Brett always prided himself on, you know, taking care of his opponent, making them look good. And as well as not, you know, trying to hurt him. That's one thing that he always held his hat on that, you know, he never hurt anybody that he worked with. So, you know, that, you know, this, you know, the list goes on and on, you know, uh, you know, that guy, you know, what he did for the business, you know, the, the, the matches that he had, like I say, you know, the matches that always stand out are, you know, I'm, I could go, always go into Shawn Michaels, the Iron Man match, WrestleMania 12, but my, you know, favorites were back-to-back SummerSlams with uh, Mr. Perfect and then obviously with his uh, brother-in-law, Davy Boy Smith, at Wembley Stadium. You know, you talk about mm-hmm. a match that, you know, is still right to this day stands the test of time. You know, you know, 30, almost, you know, over 30 years later, you know, the first time that the Intercontinental Championship was headlined as a main event, at a at a at a um at a big time pay per view, you know, that match, you know, you know, did wonders in my in my opinion. You know, that match will go down like a savage steamboat, uh, when it is all said and done. But, you know, I know uh, you guys, you know, have the slam line packed, so I'm gonna let the other guys uh get uh whatever they have to say about, you know, the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Danny, thank you so much for calling in, brother. You said he's one of your favorite of all time, if not your most favorite of all time. Uh, I know you're excited for 80s Wrestling Con 4 and a chance to see Bret Hart live and in person. I'm wondering, man, do you have any piece of memorabilia of Bret that you hold especially uh, near and dear to you, whether it's an action figure, a poster, anything like that? Um, I I know I wish I had, uh, you know, a, a pair of the sunglasses, I know I had those, uh, you know, obviously when I was a kid, I, you know, obviously, you know, if I knew now what I did, you know, if I knew then what I knew now, then, you know, possession, but that's a <laughs> that's right. story for another time. Um, you know, like I said, I, I do have his uh, LJN figure that I found nice. a few years ago. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty special. Um, and, you know, like I said, like I said, you know, I have, you know, the, the newer model action figures and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to ha- having him sign, a, you know, a belt. Um, you know, I'm sure my son definitely is going to look forward to him. You know, I don't. They had, I had opportunities to probably go see him, but, like, just, you know, the, the schedule just didn't work out. Uh, this one, you know, it's, you can't. This is a, you know, a, a must-do. A must I have to get this one done. Like I said, this, you don't know how often these opportunities come, so you've you got to take advantage of it. Well said, brother. Well said. Well, thanks for giving us a call. It's always nice to hear your voice, Danny. Hi, uh, Tommy Jumping Jay. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure. You know, uh, Jumping Jay, I'm, I'm hoping that this uh, circus of uh, Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets comes uh, comes to an end eventually. I'm, I'm sure that you know you're not gonna you're not gonna miss him uh, once he you know eventually leaves the the NFC North. I'm sure uh, you'll be happy that's over with. But uh, you know, you, you know that. Uh, that's going to become our problem, and that's you know I'm looking forward to that circus if it ever shows up. So you guys, uh, take care, have a blessed weekend. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Sounds good, Danny. Danny. Thank, thank you so much. So much. Have a great day. 
You know, Tommy, before we jump into our next call, Danny from Butler brought up that Bret Hart is one of these guys. He's kind of an old-school guy. He paid his dues. And what's, what's really interesting to me is WWF kind of made him the face of the new generation, of the new school. But really, he was an old-school guy. He paid his dues. He came up the right way. He climbed the ladder uh, like you would expect someone to climb the ladder, wasn't handed anything, earned everything. So real old school guy at heart, but yeah, they kind of made him the face of the new generation. Yeah, but you got to remember at, at that time, I don't, I don't have his age approximately at that time, but uh, they gave him the ball, what, 92? So if you look back at how old he was in 92, I'm assuming uh, he's probably only in his uh, early 30s at time. If you want to just um, – you want to just uh, uh, confirm that, his age real quick, Jay, but I think if he got the belt in 1992, I want to say he's probably, and, and, and you, if you want to look it up now I'm talking, I would say probably 33, 34 at the time. Let's see here, 1992. He was born in 1957, which would put him about 35 years old in 92. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he's he's at, like, he's hitting his prime right now. Like, now, Roman, I think Roman's around the, the same age, a year or two go either way. But, uh, he, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's in this really just starting to enter his prime years when they give him that ball. And, uh and obviously, he ran with it. Real quickly, before we jump to the next call, I know that uh, uh, we're asking, who would you like to see Bret Hart against right now against anyone in his prime? I would go with Roman Reigns, Jay. I think Roman Reigns, as the heel that he is right now against that baby face, and, and Bret Hart was absolutely fantastic at selling. I can only imagine how amazing a Bret the Hitman Hart in his prime would be against Roman Reigns. That's, that's, that's the match I would go for. That's, that's a fantastic uh, pick, and I think anyone would pay money to, to see that one happen if you put Brett back in his prime against uh, Roman, who's clearly in his prime right now. That would be a fantastic matchup. When you pose this question, the first two names that popped into my mind, because Bret Hart comes from, you know, Stu Hart, and so he's a, he's a second-generation superstar. I immediately went to other uh, generational superstars like a Bray Wyatt or like a Cody Rhodes. And then as this conversation kind of went, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him against somebody like a Braun Strowman either because Bret Hart is such a good storyteller, and he really got some good matches out of uh, Kevin Nash, Diesel at the time. You know, that, that smaller guy against the bigger guy could really tell some interesting sure. stories. And so, yeah, I'd like to see uh, – I don't know if you could have a bad match. You could probably put Bret in his prime in the ring with anybody on the current roster – uh, and it would be a great storytelling type match. Yeah, that was an interesting pick right there. You just picked Braun Strowman. You know, I, I can't can't say I disagree with you because you look back on the matches he he had against big guys like him mm-hmm. and Sid had some yes. awesome awesome matches. I mean, Brett Brett can go out there and have a an unbelievable match with anyone. So yeah, I mean anyone you grab anyone about Seth Rollins against. Mm, yeah. How freaking awesome would that be? I mean, there's so yeah. many different possibilities. I, I love to continue to hear from you guys. Again, the, the call number is 516-595-8295. Call in, share your favorite Bret Hart memories with us, along with who you'd like to see him wrestle today if he was in his prime. That's right. And up next is all the way from Chico, California, longtime friend of the show, Babyface Brian. And before we answer his call, Tommy, you know – 
like a lot of wrestling fans, we have an eye for fine art, right? And I just want to let you know, I'm the proud owner of two pieces of works of art that came from Babyface Brian. He has taken on the hobby of bringing old, old bad-looking LJNs, breathing new life, giving them a new paint job. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know if he shared any of these pictures with you either online or, or texted you, but they turned out fantastic. And currently on my desk as we talk here, uh, I have two that he did, Junkyard Dog and Hercules, and they look absolutely amazing. Well, I just wanted to share listen. that with you. But Babyface Brian, yeah. welcome to the Whoa, show. No, man. no, 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 no Babyface Brian yet. Hold on okay. a second. So Babyface Brian also sent me a gift in the mail, and it was of Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Now, here, here's the issue I have. Oh, yeah. Why did you get two? And I only got one. Now let's introduce. No, no, no. Oh, I'll give you the answer to that. I, I'll give you Why? the answer to that. He, he was going to send me one, and he was sending me pictures, and I said, that Junkyard Dog one looks really good. How much would you charge to send that to me? So I bought He sent me one, and I oh, bought the okay, other. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's right, how I it got worked. Little, I got a little nervous. You got a little hot under the collar there, but yeah. I did. Uh, it was a, I did. It was, a, it was a business deal. Yeah, brother. All right. Babyface Brian. <laughs> Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you so much. Um, before I talk about Bret Hart, I want to just uh, congratulate Tommy on two years with the Wrestling Collector. Um, COVID brought a lot of bad things to the world, but if it wasn't for COVID, Tommy would still be pushing a pizza company. And because of COVID, he took the ball that he was given and he just ran with it. And he is uh, basically gone to heights that are unbelievable uh with the wrestling collector ispw uh the last uh, you know the the musical that he's doing the the wrestling con four so i mean there's all these amazing things that we would have missed out on if tommy hadn't uh provided for his family and become the uh entrepreneur businessman wrestling fan lover of the of everything wrestling that he is so congratulations on two years of the store and thanks for all the hard work you've done for all of us and your family to uh build your empire and to continue to build it so congratulations on two years of the wrestling collector tommy listen jay i knew i was wrong about this guy what that a was so well said <laughs> Listen, thank you so much, uh, Brian. I really, really appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you listening each and every week here on uh, 80s Wrestling Podcast. You know, he sometimes, uh, Babyface Brian calls the shop, too, to say hello, Jumpy Jay. I don't ever hear the phone ringing at the Wrestling Collector with your uh, voice on the other end. But Babyface Brian is a babyface. He does call from time to time to check up on me at the store. Isn't that right, Brian? Yeah, definitely, and uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity of coming out and seeing you guys. It's, I'm so excited, and uh, can't wait to oh, see yeah. Bret Hart. Oh man! But uh, real quick, yeah, but real, uh, real, quickly, real, you... real quickly, real quickly, before you start talking, uh, you make mention of seeing us. Uh, I think we mentioned this a couple times in the past. Here, anyone that lives in the New Jersey area, we are going to be doing an '80s Wrestling Con luncheon. Uh, '80s Wrestling, the podcast luncheon. Sorry, not '80s Wrestling Con. I want to. Have a thousand people there jumping Jay, thinking that they're going to meet Bret Hart uh, at a pizzeria. But we're going to have uh, we're going to have a little uh, lunch, a little luncheon for uh, our loyal listeners of '80s Wrestling the podcast the Thursday before '80s Wrestling Con. So that would be on uh, Thursday, May the fourth. There's a restaurant bar directly across the street from the Wrestling Collector. 
So we're going to meet up at the wrestling collector around 12-1-ish. And then uh, we're going to go across the street. I know already confirmed, Babyface Brian from Chico, California. Danny from Butler. Uh, Toto with Tom is going to be there. Uh, the Stromboli sisters who make a mean <laughs> earthquake burger will be there. You're laughing now, brother. You just wait and see. Uh, all, all, the, all the gimmicks and, and, uh, and favorites will be there. But, uh, yeah, man, we're talking Brett the Hitman Hart. You're going to get a chance to meet him on May 6th. Is this the first time you're going to be able to meet Brett? Definitely, and uh, and all the other guys. I haven't really met anybody in person. I'll talk to a couple dozen here on the show, but uh, I'll try to keep it brief so that I'll get on real quick. Um, the uh, top five Brett memories for me would be WrestleMania two, seeing him on uh, the replay. It was on Showtime against uh, Andre with him and Jim Neidhart being the last two in the Battle Royal. Uh, the very first card I went to in uh, December 86, uh, it may have been the very first match, but he fought Dynamite Kid, two of the greatest in-ring workers ever. And then uh, the next one would be the first title change I saw as a fan, which was uh, on TV on Superstars when he and Jim beat the Bulldogs for the tag titles. Uh, his his turn at WrestleMania four with uh, Bad News Brown in the Battle Royal and the Double Cross, and uh, his Intercontinental title match where he beat Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, those are probably like top five of my favorite Brett moments. And of course, a lot of the stuff that got mentioned earlier, uh, I love that you brought up Cody Rhodes and, uh, and Seth Rollins as opponents, as well as another second generation superstar, um, Roman Reigns, but uh, Brock Lesnar would probably be right at the top for me as well. Uh, I'm sure those two would have put on a hell of a match. Uh, the big man, small man thing, that would have been a real a solid match, uh, Brett versus Brock. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I don't want to dominate too much of the time here, so I'll, I'll let you get to some other callers. I'm sure you got them on hold there. But uh, so looking forward to the opportunity to meet uh, Brett Hart, Jumpin' Jay, Tommy Fierro, Danny from Butler, Firefighter Brian, uh, Toto with Tom, all these wonderful people out in New Jersey on May 6th. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank Take you, care. Brian. We look forward to meeting you as well, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, let's keep this conversation. I got, little, I got a little, I got a little, what? I got a little upset there for a second, brother. I, for, for for a brief moment, I thought you got two LJN sent to you, and I only got one sent to me, man. I was about to freaking flip my store upside down here if you were more over with uh, Babyface Brown than I was. But he's listen, man. What he said, he, Jumping Jay. He's, I was going to say the ultimate Babyface. He clearly smoothed things over because that was quite the. Uh, Quite the sentiment that he shared. You gotta, you should have him uh, give a toast when we all get together for the '80s wrestling podcast, the lunch man. Yeah, brother, I think that's a good idea. Well-spoken individual, that man. All right, we're gonna keep rolling with some more well-spoken individuals. Up next is our friend from Atlanta, Georgia. Good friend Joe. Joe, welcome back to the show, brother. We're talking about the Hitman. Thank you, guys. Uh, I- I'm going to go with, I'd like to see Bret Hart versus Matt Cardona. I've been following Matt Cardona Ooh. through podcasts and YouTube and stuff, so I respect Matt Cardona, and I think Bret Hart would respect Mark, too. So that's, that's, that's a, a good pick. Cool matchup. That's a good one. That's very good. Um, and I, this is a story I wanted to get out there to you guys, your guys' podcast for a while, which is in WrestleMania 9, Bret Hart lost to Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. And when I read 
things on the internet about that. A lot of people do not like the fact that Hulk Hogan came in and got the title from Yokozuna. And yeah, as I was a almost 13 at that time, so I was veering off of being as interested in WWF. But I heard that Hulk Hogan came back and won the title from Yoko, and that prompted me to beg my mom to get WrestleMania 9 on pay-per-view, which was the last one that I, you know, watched live. So I definitely, I go against everything I read from people on the internet complaining that Hulk ruined that match. I, I disagree. It's like that, that brought viewers like me back for one last time to be as interested as that kid watching WrestleMania (laughs) three. So, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd be curious if, uh, what Bret Hart himself thinks about that. I um, Maybe that information's out there, but I don't know. But I know a lot of people don't like that, but I do. Uh, I want to say, Bret, I urge you guys, crank up either t- today or this weekend, crank up while you're driving Bret Hart's theme songs. I think the Executioner has one of the best WWF mm-hmm. theme songs. <laughs> and you got to respect Bret Hart because... Uh, his his Hasbro figure, and I'm sure his LJN figure. I, I'm a eBay, you know, a junkie, <laughs> and his his figure always is going for more than the rest of the figures. So kudos to Bret Hart for that. He is the best there. Let me make sure I get this right. I'll probably screw it up. The best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. <laughs> well said. Well said, Joe. But yeah, any questions? <laughs> no, I think I think you made some very good points. I, I appreciate your take on WrestleMania Nine because you're right that uh, that ending has created some controversy. Fans are are split on whether or not uh, the Hogan Yoko impromptu match at the end was the right call. Um, and I appreciate your take on it. I appreciate you saying it, it's what brought you back to tune in for a little bit. That's good to hear. Yeah, brother. Thank you for calling in, my man. Okay, take care, guys. All right, have a good one, man. And I'm and I'm guessing that information is out there about what Brett the Hitman Hart thought about that. I'm guessing, I don't know because I haven't read any of it, but I'm guessing he probably wasn't the biggest fan. He's he's more of a fan of storytelling and, and drawing angles out and, and getting uh, everything out of a storyline. And so to have somebody just kind of come in in the last moment uh, and and get the championship belt in the closing minutes probably wasn't, the way he would have wrote that story, uh, but that's the way the business goes. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's the way the uh, cookie crumbles sometimes in the business. But I mean, I'm sure he can look back on his career and uh, have a huge smile on his face because he did a zillion gigantic things uh, since that point. So it all it all it all wound up good in the end for the hitman. That's right. All right. People have been holding on. This guy's been holding on. He's the only, uh, I'm getting paid to say this, the only five-star caller to the 80s wrestling the podcast show, the one and the only, Totoa Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Happy Thursday to you both. Um, Congratulations on two years this Friday at the Wrestling Collector, Tommy Fierro. I think everyone, if you're in the area, you're welcome. Everyone, if you're in the area, Tommy always goes all out, and you're going to see Bull James there this Friday night. 
and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other stuff, not to mention that you're going to be inside of a pro wrestling superstore. I mean, what what more can you want? Um, my favorite Bret Hart moment of all time, all right, I have a couple. I mean, I was at SummerSlam 96, so I saw him win his title for the last time over The Undertaker. Ironically enough, that is a Stone Cold moment as well, as this is Austin 316 day. Steve Austin was hurt in that match with Owen Hart and was never the same wrestler again. Mm. But Brett has had so many great matches. I'm a big proponent of him. So the one that really sticks out in mind, and I apologize if someone already mentioned this, was the one when they had the 10-man tag in Canada. It was the Hart Foundation against Stone Cold and Shamrock and LOD. I've mm. never heard a building so loud when Austin and Hart were just throwing punches. That's all it took. And I wish that today's business, you know, would understand that. You don't need to, you know, do all these crazy spots that you see now on TV. It, 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 I watched a great show last night in AEW and still, you know, trying to do the spot bets. But, but you know who had a really good match last night? And, and, this, and this brings back to what, you know, I'm saying. Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett had a good match against Orange Cassidy. Why? Because he led the match and he's old school. He slowed it down. It was great. I love Jarrett. Um, what else are we talking about? Did I cover everything? Let's talk. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's it. I mean, what else do you guys want to talk about? We can talk about anything you want, my man. We could talk about right. ISPW <laughs> coming to the, back to your hometown, Totoa, at the Totoa PL next Friday night. Uh, it's going to be a special benefit show, Jumpin' Jay, a family uh, in, in Totowa. They had a house fire, and their family lost everything, the Martinez family. So we're going to join forces with the Totowa PAL and the Totowa Rec and put together a, a good fundraiser to help raise some money for them. Uh, one of the feature matches uh, next Friday night for that show is going to be Crowbar, who is gigantically uh, usually popular in this area right now, uh, against Rick Recon next Friday night. But, Jay, uh, we just had an ISW show uh, this past Saturday, which I want to talk about at the end of the show. But since Tom was there in person, maybe Tom can give a live uh, uh, report perspective of, of the event from uh, this past Saturday. All right. So one of the things I wanted to bring to light is uh, the ongoing uh, Dave LaGreca, Tommy Dreamer saga. Okay. So the match, the main event, uh, if you don't know already, it was Dreamer against Rick Recon. Dave LaGreca is the manager for Rick Recon. There was a spot where Tommy Dreamer was laying helplessly on the second rope, and Rick Recon wanted Dave LaGreca to take a pot shot. Dave thought about it, but he didn't do it. So that not only makes Dave LaGreca the ISPW manager of the year, but he is the man of the year as he would not turn on his co-host. I did like the Maven is, segment as true. well. Yeah. Maven Huffman had a great uh, talk show. It was like Johnny Carson type talk show. Um, great, great spot. Reminded me of the old Piper's Pit. I love when ISPW brings back um, ideas from when we were watching wrestling in the 80s. And once again, the wrestling was, was top notch, as I've said it here on this platform before. If you want to see old school wrestling, you got to come to ISPW. I mean, they tear it down from week to week, and it's family-friendly. The kids love it. The kids, Tommy, I mean, my God, 
it was it was such a hot crowd, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy. And I really hope everyone can come next week, March 24th. I'm I've been friends with the Martinez's for over 20 years. Um, they're doing okay right now. They're in a rental home, and um, the insurance company will be uh, fixing up the current house uh, that you know they they're they're not in right now, obviously because of the fire. But it's going to be a, a great show. I hope to see everyone there. Well, Tom, now now knowing that they've been friends of yours for the last 20 years makes me want to help them even more because you've been a loyal supporter to everything I've done uh, over the last several years. So, I, well, not several years since, since I was promoting shows in the 90s, you just come to like I mentioned. So, uh, any friend of yours is a friend of mine, uh, mo- mo- to, the, to the to the most part. But uh, the Thank Martinez you. family definitely is, and uh, we look forward to raising money for them. Uh, next Friday night at the Totoa PAL in Totoa, New Jersey. If anyone out there is in the area and wants to get tickets for that event, uh, the website to do so is ispwthenow.eventbrite.com. Again, that's ispwthenow.eventbrite.com. And next week, right here on 80s Wrestling Podcast, breaking, uh, Jumpin' Jay, we're going to probably get some ISW fans calling in next week because we are going to have the King of Rock, Rick Recon, joining us live on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. He has a huge weekend next weekend. Like I said, next Friday night, he is going to be taking on Crowbar in a return match. And then uh, next Saturday, he is one of the eight participants, 2023 Super 8 tournament. And anyone that is a longtime wrestling fan or independent fan uh, knows exactly how important and how much prestige is uh, behind this tournament. Tom, real quickly before we let you go, uh, you being an ISPW fan and also an independent fan in general, uh, is it cool to see one of your guys, meaning Rick Recon, in the Super 8 this year? The way Total with Tom works is he just hangs up when he's done talking. And so he he hung up while you were mid-sentence there. Maybe he'll call back and weigh in on that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Well, it, 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 he, he could tell he could tell him next week on, on the show because that's he, we'll be calling in it and answer that as well. Yeah, it sounds like I mean this was months ago that you told us on this show that you see a bright future uh, for the King of Rock, Rick Recon. And so just as a promoter from your standpoint, I mean, do you feel a little bit like a proud father? Like this is a guy that you've been working with and that you you saw something in him, and it, and it seems like he's got a very bright future. Yeah, man, we'll we'll talk all about that next week on the episode. I did, uh, I have been still working with him pretty much on a daily basis. If I'm not on the phone with him, I'm texting texting him something or something along those lines. So, yeah, man, he is a completely, uh, he's transforming into a completely different performer since I uh, sunk my, uh, my, my claws into him uh, early <laughs> last summer. But, yeah, I think it would be cool to have him on. I uh, have him on the podcast next week because you, Jay, are awesome at interviewing. So it'd be a cool dynamic of, you know, asking him maybe, you know, what was it like, you know, having someone that believed you. I mean, he, it's a lot of different things you can ask. And, yeah, I did see something very different in him than everybody else. But we'll talk all about it next week because he does have a big weekend, and I want to give him some uh, – some press because he deserves it. He was just actually did an interview with Mike Johnson from uh, PW Insider. That's up on their website. Uh, Bill After is going to be sitting down with him this weekend to, to record something. So uh, 
Yeah, he's, uh, in my opinion, he's probably one of the favorites to win the uh, 2023 Super 8. And the winner of the first ever uh, Super 8 tournament, Jumpin' Jay, was my best friend, Ace Darling. So a lot of history behind that tournament. So it would be cool to have him on next week. And maybe also, Jay, uh, maybe we can get one of the owners of ECWA on the podcast uh, podcast as well and talk about uh, the history and the, the lineage of the Super 8 tournament. So I'm going to – that's a rare thing, right, a promoter promoting another promoter's uh, event. <laughs> it's, a, it's scarce in 2023. I, it sounds like a great idea for a show, man. It would be a very interesting topic. I'm excited that we already have Rick Recron. You do what you have to do, call who you have to call to see if you can get the other part squared away. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Yeah, man, we'll have a good one. And uh, I guess until then, I hope you have a, a great weekend, Jumpin' Jay. We'll be thinking about you here at the Wrestling Collector tomorrow when we're eating our, our Irish soda bread. And uh, well, no, maybe no I'll call the store no. since I don't call the store enough. Maybe I'll give you guys a call tomorrow night and see if I can get that leprechaun uh, to speak to me. Brother, if you call tomorrow, I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> I, I'll put you on the phone. I'll put you, I'll put you on the phone with both James himself. Ooh. But, uh, right. <laughs> anyone, again, anyone that lives in the New Jer- Jersey area, uh, come out tomorrow night. Our two-year anniversary, the Wrestling Collector, located on Route 23, Stockholm, New Jersey, 5 to 8 p.m., free autographs and photo ops with the ISW Headway Champion, Bull James, a WWF Arcade WrestleFest tournament, uh, door prizes, we're doing trivia and so much more. And then uh, next week right here on 80s Wrestling Podcast, a special ISPW edition. Well, maybe not just ISPW, see if we can get on the good folks at the ECWA to promote their Super 8 tournament as well. So, Jumpin' Jay, hope you have a great weekend. Hope everyone out there listening has a great weekend. We'll catch you right here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. (laughs) 